This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and now I'm tuned in to the new TNN. I'm sorry, it, it just, see, I'm, I've had this beautiful girl all night long beating on my door. Finally, at 4 o'clock this morning, I got up and let her out. Pop culture addicts, welcome back to the new TNN podcast feed. My name is Johnny C, and you're listening to Toad Man, our Dawson's Creek recap show. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, folks, I'll tell you what, man. Capeside was set a thunder the last time we were all together. A hurricane tore apart Dawson, Leary's little world. It all came tumbling down when Mama... And Daddy had themselves a fight. But at the end of the day, even though they failed to reconcile, he got to take two with Jen Lindley, even though he treated her like a piece of shit. And speaking of pieces of shit, which I say lovingly to my wonderful co-host, the film connoisseur, Kevin Nash, he's still nowhere to be found. I heard rumors that he was indeed successful in obtaining his freedom when he found himself in a jail-esque situation, but I've not heard a word. And that rhymed from my good buddy. So I guess we're going to be flying Han Solo on this one. <laughs> Han Solo, you see what I did there? All right. Anyway, let's see. This episode is Oh my god! Confused but enthusiastic force ghost! Dusty Rhodes, is that you? How are you doing today, today? Oh, I'm so good, Dust! Welcome back to Toad Man! Hey, how did things go with Crush? You know, the last time we got into talking, you were telling me that Crush was trying to, you know, fix his Force Ghost appearance because he, when he died, he looked like Chronic and he wanted to look like Demolition. How'd that whole thing go? Things went mighty well, Dorothy. Crush have gotten to become a Demolition Force Ghost, but the freaky face paint has been scaring some of the older and more uptight members of the Jedi Council that are worried about tradition, Daddy. So I got kicked off the Council, but tradition, Daddy! Tradition continues to thrive when a dead Jedi play. Makes uh, a tiny bit of sense, so that's fine, Dust. Uh, what do I owe this wonderful surprise to? Are you here to become the first ever two-time special guest host in the history of Toad Man? See, that's where you're wrong, Dorothy, because this episode, this episode you're talking about today, tackling the world of Dustin Leary, uh, it's going to require some very, 
some very important knowledge about Dawson Leary the Devilish Gentleman because today you're gonna be you're gonna be talking about the tiniest little bundles of joy, Daddy. Bundles of joy that's been grace in this world, Daddy. A little babe in the arms that you know will love you. And someday they'll give you a hug and a kiss and let you be their tactic partner in the war games. Um, spoilers, but yes. Confused but enthusiastic force ghost Dusty Rhodes is correct. Today's episode, episode six, is entitled Baby. <laughs> so nobody better put it in a quarter. See, Johnny, that's even more evidence. Even more evidence to all your listeners out there on the TNN this new daddy that you're going to need one of the sharpest minds. One of the greatest minds to ever grace this business to talk about what's happening today, Daddy. And it just so happens, Daddy, that I'm friends with a man in the world of the living that is not only, he's not only a tremendous player of the game of tennis, but he's also one of the most brilliant minds to ever book an NWATNA wrestling show. So, Daddy C, I want you to meet my friend. Your podcast partner for today's edition of Toad Man, Mr. Jim Trombone. I'm sorry, did you say Jim Trombone? That's right, Daddy. I gave him your address. Look, I see him coming in the door right now. Here he is, Jimmy Trombone. Who's Jimmy Trombone? Johnny, you better wipe that look off your face. I'm telling you right now, it's looking like your mama shit on a stain in the cracks and then it looks like you had it for dinner. Oh, Jim Trombone. Because his last name sounds like Cornet, which is like a tiny trumpet, and we're doing just a different musical instrument. Okay, I get it. Jimmy Trombone. Check out the braids on this one, Dust, with all that and a nickel. He's liable to take the bus to the wrong side of downtown looking for a two-cent dime. I'm sorry, Jimmy. What? Pay attention, sunshine. What's the matter? The wrong side of the donkey's rear end. Wake up in your bed this morning. Uh, confused but enthusiastic force ghost Dusty Rhodes. I thought you and I were friends. Daddy, don't you worry, Daddy. Jimmy Trombone is aware you need a plot synopsis, and he's prepared to give it to you. But now I got to go, because the Jedi Council chili cook-off is about to take place, and the fourth ghost of the Where's the Beef Lady has agreed to join me for a night of bean-related bliss, baby! The Where's the Beef Lady is a force ghost? Wow. Wait, Dusty, don't go! Don't go! Hey, don't worry about him. You got your hands full trying to make a podcast with your head coming out of the backside of a horse's toupee. Thank you for the folksy colloquialism, Jim Trombone. Would you be willing to take a seat and perhaps give us a plot synopsis? I'll take a seat when I'm damn good and ready. This chair's looking like it was made by a blacksmith with his head up the hole in the rear end of a donkey's anus. Are we just going to do donkey's asses jokes the entire time? Oh, you! Don't you talk to me that way! I got a fleet of lawyers! Clarence! Clarence Mason! You know what? I'm not, I'm not going to call Clarence Mason. We've got stuff to do, Johnny. You sit down, and I'm going to give you the plot synopsis about Dawson's Creek. Look at this creek! I'll tell you what! That and, a two, that and this five cents will get you a shoe shine. 
down at the nickel store when you're putting a dime in a jukebox. It's just a tiny body of water, Jim. You call that a creek? You're waiting for crawdads in there. Hell, when I was your age, Mama and Daddy gave me a nickel and I went downtown and got me a cup of coffee and a couple of worms and we went fishing in the creek. Oh, fuck my life. Okay, calm down, you big baby. I'm just serving you up a nice plate of ribs. You know, if you want to make it in this business, you gotta be tougher than an alligator sweater at a dry cleaners. Episode 6 of Dawson's Creek is called Baby. It's directed by Steve Miner. Oh, it sounds in Dolby. It's in color. Like my Andy Griffith shows. It's in the, the, it's in the 1.33 by 1 aspect ratio, like a jack-in-the-box, and I ain't talking about tacos. Let's get you the plot synopsis. Cape sides abuzz with rumors of a teacher's indiscretion. Rumors that could prove fateful for Pacey and Tamara. But Pacey takes it upon himself to go for a school board hearing. To admit personally fabricating the rumors to clear Tamara. Meanwhile, Joey and Jan get a life lesson when Bessie's aided by an unlikely source of Grams. When she goes into labor and gives birth to her baby in Dawson's living room. While Dawson's videotaping the whole thing and jerking off. Alright, thank you. Uh, so we start with Dawson and his hairy-ass legs, and he's just finishing watching a movie with Joey. Joey's immediately like, okay, thanks, bye, I'm leaving. But Joey, we never just watch one movie on movie night. What's the rush? Why are you trying to leave? Well, Bessie's due next week, so I better go home. Oh, I see. Now, Jimmy, I don't know how much Dawson's Creek knowledge you have, but the problem is that Jen is also in the room watching for movie night, and Jen is Dawson's girl Friday, if you will, and Joey's his best friend. And there's some sort of a uh, love triangle that's happening here. Oh, Johnny, here's the problem. You thinking I'm not cued in and not understanding what's happening on Dawson's Creek? Hell, I've been on weekly television programs that have drawn in viewers by the millions and the trillions. This ain't nothing for me. I'm able to figure it out. Just keep talking about the scene. Okay, that's fine. Uh, it is Jen's first movie night. And because Jen is continuing her trend of acting like a normal human being that can think, she lays out this thing straight. Okay, I get it. It's weird. I'm intruding on a sacred ritual. So, Joey, you stay. I'll go. Dawson and I have had our fun. It's totally fine. Jen, no, you can't leave. Oh, Dawson. Oh, buddy. No, it's okay, Dawson. You know, we've been slowing things down. It's fine. And if, besides, if my gram sees Joey leaving, she's not going to let me stay. Joey is now playing the victim card like, no, you stay, I'll go, I'm the problem, because that's what Joey does. Jen lays it out like, well, you know what? If we both stay, everybody's just going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to be sad that I felt like I made you leave. Joey, you'll be angry because I'm here. Dawson's like, well, I I live here. So there's only one solution, it sounds like. Good night, Dawson, they say in unison. And Dawson's like, Oh, I don't want to wait for our last to be over. So yeah, Dawson all alone. Katie Holmes is gone. Michelle Williams is gone. It's just him and Katie Couric. <laughs> yes, me, Dawson's better off. That one girl's liable to turn him into some science Jesus couch jumper, and the other's going to lead him into an early pill-related death. Either way, it's like he's spitting in the wind during a tornado. That's crazier than a rattlesnake with wings auditioning to play opposite Chris Farley in a remake of Basic Instinct. 
it's a beautiful morning here in Capeside. Uh, and then, we, you know, they show us the lake, the people walking around town, the beautiful boats, the nice expensive property, and smash cut to the Potter family shack on the side of the creek. Bessie is super pregnant, and she's angry. She tells Bodie she she wishes that she was a fruit bat, because fruit bats, you know, they only gestate and carry their young for two months. Oh, she ain't the only fruit bat. Her husband's crazy to be married to this one. Oh, Bodie Jim is not actually her husband. Huh, there's a shocker. Knocked up, living in some shack, not married. Well, Missy, here's 10 cents of advice in a seven-cent world. Get a job, and maybe the tax man will cut you a break when he comes to collect on the electric. Hell, you could sell your baby. It ain't hard. I've sold six babies since I've been here. i got three more to go. I'll be a millionaire by noon, sweetie. You'll be changing the sheets, wishing your daddy had taught you some better manners. Uh, Bodie is leaving for a job interview at a French restaurant. I guess in France, because he's going to be absent for the remainder of the episode. And Joey and Bessie share their sisterly rat-a-tat back and forth. And we cut to Grams, Jen's grandma. Grams is folding some laundry. And she's very unamused when she comes across some of Jen's black undies that are perfectly normal bikini-cut underoos, nothing to be appalled by. Well, Johnny, those are the same kind you wear, right? Wait, that's it? That's the whole joke? No, I saw you wearing them in Tijuana when you were trying to fix a flat tire in a hailstorm with a wooden leg. Just, I wear ladies' underwear, that's the whole thing. Holy shit, that's a good one, Johnny. I'm writing that one down. Oh, God. Grams is appalled also that Jen has a calendar of smut on her wall, a.k.a. just paintings of nude people that show the days of the week. Oh, Jennifer, in my house, we don't oogle naked men. No, we just pray to them, right? Damn, that's a sick burn, Jennifer. I like it. Grams, of course, well, I was going to say she blows a gasket, but she doesn't. She just does her, she blows a gasket Grams style. She's like, oh, Jennifer, why do you treat me this way? I'm such a good woman to you. I feed you. I do your clothes. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, It's just setting up some conflict because these two are going to be a big centerpiece of the uh, episode's big event, which Mr. Trombone spoiled in the plot synopsis, but that's fine, Jim. I won't give you any shit about it. You better not, or you're going to be eating that shit at the Dairy Queen down on 72nd Street after midnight. It's Capeside High School now, and Tamara and Pacey are just chatting, having themselves a casual Monday morning conversation out in the open in the school parking lot in front of her fiery red, not fucking uh, discreet convertible. All right, like this is the most... This is the worst place to have a conversation about your fucking sex life with your student, okay? In front of your fucking expensive-ass car, wearing a short skirt. I mean, I mean, hey, don't get me wrong. Like, you can wear the skirt, you can drive the car, but the combination of these things and the close flirting with your high school boyfriend as a teacher, I, it's, I feel it's ill-advised. I don't know what you're talking about. I like this kid, Johnny. He's figured it out. That teacher lady's like a fine Tennessee wine on a summer afternoon at halftime. Her sweater's stuffed full of goodies, and Easter Bunny wishes he had his little sack. Well, Jim, she is attractive, yes, but Pacey here. You know, he's setting himself up with decades worth of therapy bills, don't you think? 
Therapy Schmerby. Get this kid some cheap Thunderbird. Arrange a play date with Jake the Snake. The kid'll be fine. Help ten minutes with the snake man. This kid'll figure out life ain't so bad, huh, Junior? Pacey's big problem is he wants to go out on a date with Tamara. Like, he wants to go out on the town with her. You can't do that, Pacey. You can't go out with your fucking teacher. He's uh, tired of being locked in with the blinds closed all weekend. I, what's the problem? <laughs> uh, his big idea, I got it tomorrow. We can go to Providence. Nobody knows us there. And, oh, my God, she agrees. In the bathroom at Capeside High... Dawson and Pacey recap literally what we just saw. Pacey's like, oh, Dawson, you'll just wait. Once I get my learner's permit, Miss Jacob's going to love me even more. <laughs> it's so pathetic. <laughs> uh, now, after, here's the big problem, though. After spilling the tea to Dawson about Tamara agreeing to go on a date with Pacey in the real world, Pacey then checks the stalls to make sure no one is taking a dump listening to their conversation. It's just more evidence that Pacey's a bad student. He clearly needs to pay more attention in math class because his order of operations is all kinds of jacked up. Sure enough, they leave, and we cut to inside the stall, and some kid is standing on top of the toilet seat getting stoned. He coughs like he was holding it in, and is like, oh, man, whoa. Holy shit, dude. He's fucking his teacher, man. Now, I got multiple things to ask here. Number one, Dawson and Pacey didn't smell the weed because it's a lit joint, okay? Like, it. there's no two ways about it. And I know this because that dude was holding it in. And more importantly, how long did he hold it in? Based on the length of Dawson and uh, Pacey's conversation... If he held it in that long, his entire day is going to be ruined because he's not getting anything done. This kid is going to get fucking superpowers. He's so stoned, all right? He, it's it's unbelievable. Johnny's more lit up than JR asking Tony Khan for a day off in September. That's, all right, that's it. Nice, Jimmy. Short and sweet to the point. I like it. That's the same thing your mama said when I came over last Wednesday with some bacon and a boot with a hole in it that needs some fixing. Jen and Dawson do a walk and talk. He's like, Jen, I have great news. My parents are couples therapy this weekend, which means, ah, I'm home alone. Uh, uh, Dawson, that's nice, but nice. I was hoping you'd say something a little more illicit than that. Uh, Dawson, hold on, okay? I'm a real person. I'd like to have an actual conversation. There's this weird Pacey rumor going around. People are saying him and Miss Jacobs are, you know, and, and, and everybody's heard about this. Oh, no. We gotta find Pacey. Dawson, is it true? Jen, I told you I could never lie to you. So pretend you didn't ask. We get some bluesy harmonica music. <laughs> Sounds like Bishop from the X-Men cartoons about to show up. Uh, sure enough, uh, uh, Joey knows too because she asks the boys, or Dawson and, and Jen, if they've heard the rumor. Some girl in the hallway clues in Pacey. He spikes the camera like, Oh, boy, Miss Jacobs isn't going to suck my dick anymore. Pacey and Dawson rush into a janitor's broom closet to try to play damage control. Uh, at least Pacey is self-aware that he's an idiot. But, like a moron, he also hopes, Well, maybe Miss Jacobs won't hear about this and it'll all go away. Dawson, God help me, actually has a good idea. He's like, Pacey, 
don't sell it. Johnny, where'd you hear that advice before? Hey, did you file an HR complaint with Jim Ross, too? Oh, you poor, poor independent contractors. I weep for you. Uh, but no, I didn't. Uh, Dawson's like, uh, Pacey, just go out there, act all cool, calm, collected, you know, like like a, like water off a duck's back. See, Jim, that's how it's done. Just boop, and you're done. Pacey's like, hey, walk around like an idiot that's not aware of what's going on. I can do that. <laughs> so he walks down the hallway, and he's like, hey, ladies, hey, how's it going? I think I saw some finger guns in there. Not bad. But then he turns the corner out of everyone's view, and we can tell that Pacey is not in a finger-gunning mood. He's actually, oh, so very, very sad as we head to a commercial. We are back from said commercial, and we're sitting in Tamara's English class. She's talking about Romeo and Juliet. Hot sex on the floor just to get you wet. These probably aren't the words. I don't really know that song that well, but she's talking about Romeo and Juliet. She's like, Romeo and Juliet is probably the, the, the best example, the most notable example of the forbidden fruit theme that we will examine this year. Oh, how meta, Tammy. Now, it's at this point, we let some of our background day players get some lines of dialogue, thus securing them a Screen Actors Guild card. Because some random dude, in response to Romeo and Juliet being the best example of forbidden fruit this year, yells, Not anymore! Pacey arrives. Mr. Witter, you're late. Rando dude again. Probably resting up from last night. Now some douchey dude sitting behind Pacey gets his SAG card and he's like, Hey bro, settle a bet for us. Are they real or silicone? Oh, keep it up, Rando guy, and I'm going to see you after class. Rando's response? You promise? And then he hits A high five with his douchey buddy that spoke earlier. It's perfect. I should mention, one of these dudes looks like a Dawson clone. He's like wearing Dawson's outfit from episode one and the same style of necklace. Is this the second place, Dawson? Oh, well. Uh, Pacey and Tamara share a glance like forbidden fruit. Oh, boy. We smash cut to Pacey looking sad sitting on a bench. Joey walks up and says, Hey, jailbait. (laughs) Just ridiculous. I know what you're going through, though, Pacey. Oh, I highly doubt that, Joey. Well, let me guess. People are staring. People are whispering. You hear your name from strangers in every conversation. Look, Pacey, my life's a train wreck just like yours. Now, she lists off all the items that make her life a train wreck. She's like, oh, my sister and her black boyfriend aren't married, and she's pregnant, and my dad's in prison for drug trafficking. I I don't think the sister-boyfriend scenario qualifies for train wreck, Joey. Jesus Christ, have some fucking respect for your sister and her life. Uh, but Daddy, Daddy definitely qualifies, so I guess that's okay. Well, I got news for you, Joey. Daddy's wearing prison orange right now, but get him a bus ticket, a bottle of some somas, a couple of pro wrestlers. You're going from the big house to a bigger house, if you know what I'm saying. Let me guess, Jim. With all that money Daddy would be making from selling those somas to the pro wrestlers, she could afford to buy some WWF pay-per-views and bring the WWF in your house. <laughs> Tag team comedy.
Listen up, you goddamn Yankee. I'm trying to spend some real-life knowledge on this dumb little brunette, so shut your trap unless someone's asking. You know, it's like my granny used to say before she wham-slapped my jaw for talking in church. She'd say, Jimmy, if you keep talking after I slap your face, I'm going to hang you from the neck until you're dead, and then I'm going to go to work on you. So mind your P's and Q's at STFU. Well, nonetheless, the two teens do bond over their shared rumor-based misery. Well, Pacey, you better pray like hell. A better story comes along. Jen and Dawson do another walk and talk in front of Jen's Graham's house. Jen's like, Dawson, I need helps with my Grams. We seem to be locked in a cycle of arguing. And speak of the devil, Jen's grandma is watching her and Dawson from the door. I guess she's trying to make sure that Dawson doesn't try to finger bang Jen in the garden. She's like, Jennifer, dinner's at six. I'd like you washed up and at the table at that time. Okay, like, I I get the need to lay it on thick with Graham's dialogue. She's old school. But if you want to really lay it on properly, you you have to change two things. One, why is she calling it dinner? She needs to call it supper. And the, I need you washed up and at the table, like... the washed up is just a little too little house on the prairie old for me for it to feel authentic back at the potter shack bessie the pregnant sister is in the shitty pickup truck that the potter family owns but the wheel of the truck is stuck in a plot hole oh wait i'm sorry a pot hole she's like oh joey you're here it's a good thing i need to get to the clinic She's about nine months too late for that trip, but okay. Joey's like, I didn't know you had an appointment today, Bessie. No, I don't have any appointments today. I'm in labor. Some fart guitar chimes in. We need to get an ambulance, Joey, but the phone isn't working. Conveniently. The nearest phone is at your friend Dawson's house, so let's get to Rowan. And by let's, I mean you, Joey. We smash cut to a nice long shot of Joey and Bessie on a boat in the creek, and Joey is rowing slowly. Don't worry, Bessie. I'll get us there. They better pick up the pace, Joey, or the two of us is going to be the three of us. Bessie then yanks the oars from Joey and tries to row herself. Uh, Thankfully, Joey takes them back. But then another emergency strikes. Oh, my God, Bessie, the boat's leaking. No, it's not. (laughs) Ah, Fluids are leaking from her because, you know, she's having a baby. At Dawson's house, we see Dawson on the telephone trying to get a hold of Pacey. Now, folks, Dawson's parents are gone for the weekend. And he's 15 years old. And he's celibate. So showing Dawson Leary fully dressed, trying to talk to his friend on the phone is really not the picture. You know, it, it, we talked about realism and trying to add realism to this thing. Why is Dawson not going wild in every room in the house, completely nude, just fucking having himself a Friday night? This this whole scenario of him dressed is just too unrealistic for me, but that's fine. Joey arrives. Dawson, my sister's having her baby. Oh, congratulations, Joey. On your lawn. What? <laughs> So Dawson gets on the phone with 911 
Uh, uh, okay, guys, uh, there's an ambulance on the way, but it's stopping in Duxbury first. Does this town just have one ambulance? Bessie's like, Duxbury, that's an hour away. I know, Bessie, but there was a pileup on the interstate, and childbirth is not the dominant need for an ambulance right now. So, obvious question I ask to all you loyal listeners, what has Bessie done to smite the gods? Because they really have it in for her unborn offspring. Well, Johnny, I think you got it wrong. I think the bigger problem is that goddamn ambulance driver, not Bessie. How so, Jimmy? Duxbury and Campside ain't that far away from one another, but it sounds like it's taking an hour because the goddamn ambulance driver's going south on 39. You know, if he'd buy himself a clue, I'd give him a map for free. If you want to get from Duxbury to Capeside, it's real simple. You take 42 east, connect to 61 south, and then at the Wendy's, you take a left, and then a right, and then you stop at a little speaker, and you order a number two, hold the veggies, extra beef. Make sure you get a Diet Coke and ask him to put some salt on it. Then you pull out, you junction to 61 North, you take 42 West, and you're done. Uh, Jim Trombone, I'm not trying to, you know, speak out of turn here. I mean, I'm not really an expert. I'm definitely a navigational novice. But if you take 42 East, then 61 South, order yourself some food, then get on 61 North and head 42 West... Isn't that just a big circle? Well, speaking of big circles, you talk back again. This tennis racket's going to put a couple of big circles underneath each one of them beady little eyes. And there won't be a pirate around lends you a patch for miles. Because I'm going to take 42 east and 61 south, drive it to the nearest coal mine, and bury it till the end of your days. Well, I suppose you wouldn't find any pirates in the depths of a coal mine, so I guess I'll allow the joke. Joke? Who's joking? Do I look like I'm on stage telling two-bit stories about a chicken a road and a seven-toed woman with an itch that won't go away? Okay. Let's remember that Bodhi, the father of the unborn child, is in France. So he's out of the picture. Bessie, feeling like there is no possible way to get out of this quagmire, grabs the phone. And she goes into what I at this point would call a Jim Trombone-esque style rant. On to the 911 dispatcher that hangs up on her. Now we cut to Pacey. He's sitting forlorn and sad at Tammy's house. Tamara arrives and she is pissed. Clearly she has heard the rumor. And she's rightfully pissed. Do not get me wrong. You know, Pacey, there were no rules in this relationship. Except for one. We don't talk about it. And of course you couldn't handle it. I guess it's just too adult of a concept for you. And it's only a matter of time until the school board and the DA catch wind of what we've done. You know what, Pacey? You wanted to do more things that couples do? Well, here we go. Let's break up. Boom! Pacey weeps, and we head to a commercial. But we cut back from a commercial. Bessie is on Dawson's couch, and she's groaning like Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger. (coughs) Dawson and Joey are are rightfully kind of freaked out by Bessie's horrendous yelling. What do we do, Dawson? We don't know how to deliver this baby. We haven't even finished high school biology. Who in this ragtag town could deliver a baby? Hmm... Back at Shay Lindley, 
Jen finds a Bible in her room. She's pissed. She goes downstairs and starts sticking it to old Grams. But there's a rat-a-tat-tat at the door. Smash cut to Grams opening. And Joey is here to beg and plead for help. She does a very Joey slash Kevin Williamson slash Dawson's Creek overproduced speech about why the baby needs her help. Will she answer the call like the all-female team of the Ghostbusters? We get some more bad boy fart guitar, and uh, Pacey is walking around town. His brother Doug! You remember Officer Dougie from previous episode where we had the uh, hurricane in town. Pulls over, and he wants to have a little brother-to-brother chat. He was in the barber shop, and he heard this rumor about a student who was fucking a teacher. And when he heard it was about a teacher actually fucking a student, uh, he's like, well, that can't be my brother Pacey because he ain't getting fucked. But the predominant feeling around town is that the rumor is a lie. So that made Doug think, well, bingo. It's probably Pacey. Now I like this kid, Doug. He's got his priorities in line. He's here to keep law and order capeside. You walk crooked on the sidewalk, Doug's going to put you back in line, but he's going to do it by roughing you up a little bit. By the time he's done, you'll be shining his shoes and calling him Susan. Doug feels oh so very bad for Tamara. Why, Pacey, why? Why would you do this to poor Tamara? Pacey says he did it to defend the Witter family name because this town needed to believe at least one of the members of the Witter family was having heterosexual sex. Like it's some sort of fucking badge of honor, Pacey. I don't approve of this dialogue. Doug also drops some plot information for Pacey. Will the school board's having an emergency meeting tonight, Pacey, about whether or not to fire Miss Jacobs and have her arrested. Bessie and Dawson are patiently waiting for Joey to return with salvation. But Dawson has an idea. You see, Dawson has his video camera in hand and pleads with Bessie to allow him to film the impending birth. Now, Dawson makes up a story about how having it on film will be good for Bodie. That way, Bodie gets to see it. But I think we all know what's really going on here. It's a hell of a con, Johnny! I mean, it's a hell of an idea, not a con. Erase that part. It's not a con. It's a work. It ain't a shoot. Uh, see, Dawson, let's get this kid a suit, and let's get him a cricket bat. He could be my understudy. Call him, I don't know, Dawson Drummer. Heat him up. Have Tommy Rich chase him around the fairgrounds. We'll have more money than Scrooge McDuck can swim in. Jimmy, I understood that one. Well done. Bessie agrees to the filming, but says at the end of the day, she will get the final cut of the film. So after this video inevitably leaks out into the internet, nerds will clamor for the release of Dawson's version until about five years later, HBO gives in and puts it on uh, as a streaming service. Hashtag release the Dawson cut. Grams arrives. Bessie is not having it. Upon seeing Bessie's rage, Dawson, the director, mumbles to no one. Conflict. (laughs) Perfect. And I think he starts beating off.
Uh, now Jen is here for some reason. She doesn't have any reason to be here. But Grams decides to put her to work. So maybe she does. You know, in honest days, work for old Blondie. There ain't gonna be a bad thing. Maybe she can put some of that weight she's got in her hanging chads and carry that fat woman to a decent bed. You know, they got her propped up on the couch like a horse having a heyday in a casino lit with tube lights. Well, Jim, Bessie does get moved to a chair. And Graham starts initiating some breathing instructions. The... Uh, Bessie calls Joey Judas. So Grams, upon hearing Shade thrown at her favorite historical character, stops the proceedings and offers a truce. She promises that when this is all done and they get through it, she won't take advantage of Bessie's happiness and try to be friends with her or be nice with her. But in exchange for that, Bessie must shut up and listen. She's really taking charge here, old Grams. At Cape Side Town Hall, Pacey is heading up some stairs to the school board hearing. He sees Miss Jacobs, in her Sunday finest, sitting on a bench next to another woman. Pacey's brilliant idea to deflect the scandalous rumor at hand, walk up to Miss Jacobs, put his hand on her exposed knee, and say, Tammy, I'm so sorry. Tammy, that's what you're leading with? I mean, if you want to help perpetuate this cunning ruse, how about we start with Miss Jacobs? Um, gosh, I... I can't believe this is even happening, but I'm really just so sorry I made up these... But we'll get there. Now, the woman. The woman is Miss Jacobs' lawyer, and she advises Mr. Witter to address all questions to her moving forward. Well, could you just tell your client that I'm sorry? And he sadly walks away. Back at Shay Leary, Bessie is screaming. Dawson is filming Joey's blank, emotionless existence as she stares at the fucking birthing process while sitting on the couch like she's brain dead. Back at town hall, the school board asks Miss Jacobs if the rumors are true. Miss Jacobs starts to speak. Uh, well, you see, wait! Pacey is here. Mr. Winter, you must not speak until spoken to. Hold on. If you just let me talk, I can get you home for dinner. And sure enough, Pacey being the fucking tactical genius that he is, he falls on his sword. And he admits, I'm a loser. Uh, I sit in Miss Jacobs' English class and daydream about having a girlfriend who's sophisticated. Kind of like Miss Jacobs. And I guess because of that, I guess I started a rumor. And I guess you guys just kind of took it a little too seriously. But it was just a boy's dream. And it looks like based on the smiles and nodding, that the good guys are gonna win. I mean, that's how this part of the narrative is framed. Like, it's a good thing that Tammy and Pacey are getting away with it. Like, it's what the audience wants. It is, Johnny! See, I've given it some thought. And these two characters, they're good They're good kids. They're people that the audience can relate to. This kid, Pacey, puts on about 15 pounds of muscle and stops thinking about Tammy's turkey-flavored taco twat. We could smarten him up, put him in the ring with a guy like Matt Morgan, get Tammy a ringside, go Broadway with his seconds left, sit him up for a small package, one, two, three, and we're all buying yachts, and we ain't got water in any direction for 100 miles. We're buying them just because we can. Did you say... Tammy's turkey flavored twat taco? Kid, I ain't got no off switch. You think I know what the hell comes out of my mouth and you're dumber than a bag of prophylactics at a lesbian bar? Hm. 
So, uh, back at the birthing station, Joey is freaking out from Bessie's Bloody Show. No, I bet that's going to be the name of the movie, by the way. (laughs) Bessie's Bloody Show. Jen confirms there is a lot of blood here. Bessie's freaking out. Grams shames Jen for bad bedside manner. But she's not a professional, so, you know, it's going to happen. Dawson gets in close. Mrs. Ryan, smile for the camera. Grams, I'll give her a little bit of credit. Smack! And Dawson is kicked out. Uh, away from Bessie, Jen confronts Grams about the blood, and Grams is like, Jennifer, I need your help to deliver this baby before things get any worse. Back from a commercial now. Come on, Bessie, push! Bessie demands paid medication. I don't have any paid medication, dear, but I have something better. Oh my God, she's going to say God, isn't she? Grams busts out, indeed, the Lord's Prayer. That stuff's not going to work on me, Mrs. Ryan. It's not for you, dear. It's for your baby. Bessie gives in to the peer pressure and prays. So does Jen. We get some soulful piano music. The girls say, Thy kingdom come in unison. And we push! Cut to Joey, outside, moping. Dawson enters with what I'm calling the traditional TV hate. You see this all the time in TV shows and it drives me bonkers. I hate when the first word in a scene is hate. Joey knows he's there, man. He came outside. She heard the door slam. She can see him. There's no need for the introductory hate. You know, Joey, I can't wait to tell my mom what happened in her living room. Well, Dawson, you know what? I don't have a mom. Okay, just kidding. Dawson does say that, but Joey doesn't say that. But she does admit she's freaking out right now because Bessie in pain reminds her of when her mom was going through chemo and was in pain. And she can't lose Bessie like she lost her mom. So Bessie's struggle to create life is Joey's burden. Sounds about right for the character. Joey, you stood by your mom, and now Bessie needs you. Back at Town Hall, Doug apologizes to Tammy on behalf of Pacey. I guess she's gotten off scot-free. He also tries to use it as an end road to maybe ask her for another date. But Tamara says, leave Pacey alone. I'm proud of him. He's all grown up. Doug looks like he feels kind of small. And Tammy demands moving forward. He call her Miss Jacobs. She gets into her car, her lovely expensive fucking convertible we get some some celebratory music that sounds like six, sixpence none the richer and she drives away pacey watches with his hands in his pockets back at dawson's house the baby is crowning oh dear the baby is coming and it's covered in thorns it's just a graham's crowning and thorns joke <laughs> bessie's too tired to push though she needs help What's that? You hear that? What is that? Jim Trombone, what are you doing? Kid, you ain't been smartened up yet. I'm putting the shine on Bessie and getting these nickel and dimers here watching invest the blood, sweat, and tears in the finish of the match. So you were doing the LOD tag team match bang thing? Kid, you take one look at my wardrobe and I'm going to tell you, I know what I'm doing. You see the money I made in this business? You know, I'm not going to say anything about your uh, affliction shirt, sir, because I don't, I'm don't. i living in fear of a racket-related reprieval, but I'm blown away that you do the in your everyday life. 
Joey is what Bessie needs to make the final push because Joey arrives, Bessie has the push in her, and the baby is out. Dawson somehow has been allowed to film this entire thing. Grams, much like Jim Ross before her, makes the call. He's out. He's here. He has risen. Okay, I made the last one up. I will say this. The baby comes out. The baby is wrapped in a blanket and handed to Bessie so she could see him. And I love the production work here. This is a compliment. Because a lot of times in movies or TV shows, the, the, the mom gets handed the baby and the baby's all clean. Here, it's a home birth, especially. So we definitely need this detail. The baby is covered in gunk. A kid looks like a pudding skin you'd find at the bottom of a trash bag in Louisiana Bayou. Oh, God. Oh, God, that's disgusting. Jesus Christ. Apacia returns for one last romp with Miss Jacobs at her beach house. Do I need a lawyer to talk to you, Miss Jacobs? Apacia, you don't have to apologize. Do we still have to break up? I promise I'll be good. I won't say anything to anybody. Oh, Pacey, you won't have to worry about saying anything to anyone because there'll be nothing further to talk about. I'm leaving. I've already resigned, and I'm heading to my sister's house in Rochester. That's probably the right call at this point, okay? Pacey, though, is thrown through a loop. He can't believe the relationship is ending. Oh, Pacey, you knew this had a ticking clock. She tells him she cares about him more than he will ever know. She's like, I don't know, Pacey. Uh, Maybe I'll meet someone my age. Maybe you'll meet someone your age. God, maybe I want to have kids someday. And I want to be their mom, not their girlfriend. I probably would have cut or altered that line, but what do I know? It's time for goodbye, though. Pacey asks, Miss Jacobs, can I get a farewell kiss? Tamara's like, I don't know. I think I can handle it, Tamara. Oh, but Pacey... I'm not sure I can. Yikes! This thing is getting so much worse by the second. It's best at end now. They hug. We get some sad, slow, acoustic guitar. Tamara leads it and kisses Pacey. Jesus, this poor boy. He is fucking screwed for the rest of his life. He's never getting out of this thing alive. Enjoy Rochester, Miss Jacobs. Enjoy the rest of high school, Pacey. The fucking sad, slow acoustic guitar music really picks up as we go into our ending montage. It kind of sounds like that song Wild Horses from Fear when Reese Witherspoon's getting it on the roller coaster. It's nighttime and Jen and Graham's reconcile. Joey meets her nephew, Alexander, for the first time. Pacey walks the beach while capturing one last look at Tammy. Bye, Tammy. And the wild, wild horses could it take you away, Finn. Well, that's the end of it. Uh, Jim Trombone, uh, before we say finish, can I uh, ask you? You know, at the end of each episode, we give our MVC award to the most valuable creaker. What the fuck kind of name is that? Actually, uh, film connoisseur Kevin Nash came up with it. I kind of like it! You know, it was I, I'm the one that actually came up with it. Johnny, goddammit, shut the fuck up! You want my honest opinion, kid? Jim, you know I'm like almost 40, right? Shut up! Shutting up, sir. I can tell you exactly who it was. The most valuable guy in this whole fucking show is that Dawson Drummer kid. Kid's gonna be a star. 
He'll be main eventing a team that's going for the tag belts in no time. He ain't working the main event in the fairgrounds in Tulsa, but in the year to my name ain't Jim Trombone. And I'm going to pick Pacey. Because God knows he's going to need something to keep him going in the coming years. And that is going to wrap up Toad Man Episode 6. I want to say thanks to Jim Trombone. Yeah, fuck you, kid! All right. <laughs> and uh, special thanks to Confused but Enthusiastic Force Ghost Dusty Rhodes for putting the two of us together. If you've enjoyed this, make sure you subscribe to the new TNN podcast feed so you get notified whenever new content drops. I'm Johnny C. And a winner is you.